The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Tenakoto, you glorious bastards. Arimai to the Paradise Delay podcast, an exploration of electronic music and mental health. So I don't know if you can hear it this week, but recording in the Toyota Estima, I have a little, a little guest that's joining us. You might be able to hear the purring of a cat, a bright orange cat called Garfield. Now, as I've been saying, we're staying at the Tolaga Bay campground. I don't know what it is. There we go. Cat's licking its paw and knocking the microphone. Thank you, Garfield. Yeah, and the resident cat is called Garfield and likes to go and visit basically all the arrivers at Tolaga Bay campground. She's pretty cool. She's friendly. Uh, and she's joined us in the van today. She's sitting underneath the microphone. Got the door closed, so I might have to let her out at some point. Ooh. She's up. She's just repositioned herself. It's looking at her paws. It's pretty cute. So, been a busy boy. Fresh FM is shutting down for Christmas. And that means I have to record two podcasts in one week and get them out there. Usually I have two weeks to do one podcast, so been a very busy boy. And yeah, it's all good though. It's been pretty, to be honest, it's been pretty weird weather out here in Tolaga. It's been rainy. Uh, last night we had the rain coming in horizontally, shaking the van we're sleeping in. It's quite nice, kind of rocks you to sleep. And last week was a little bit different. It was a beautiful sunny day. The wind was out. And yeah, it's beautiful. Each day seemed to slip on by. Oh, Garfield's licking herself now. Thank you, Garfield. Some nice ambience to the podcast. And since it's been lighter for longer, it's summer out here. We've been going in, chilling down the on the beach each afternoon and it's nice the beach is deserted and it's quiet you know it's peaceful out there but not this day this day we heard the sound that nobody likes to hear when they're chilling by the water that sound a friggin jet ski and yeah the guy was riding the jet ski and he was wearing a short-armed wetsuit while smoking a vape on a light blue 90s jet ski. It's pretty cool. And he was the waves were forming pretty nice, rising to a peak and then crashing down. He was zooming along the beach, uh, riding the waves on his jet ski. It looked pretty fun, to be honest. I was like, yeah, that guy knows what's up. And I wasn't, you know, it was entertaining. I wasn't too worried about the noise interrupting our peaceful time at the beach. But, you know, it was at this moment I realized that this madman was heading towards the Tolaga Wharf. Now, if you don't know Tolaga that well, uh, it has the longest wharf in New Zealand. It takes a long time to get out there. It takes like 30 minutes to walk there and back. And when we first came to Tolaga, we actually walked down the wharf. It's a beautiful walk. Uh, It's real nice. And when we got to the end, we saw fishermen haul up his catch. So I just got some green tea here. So we saw a fisherman at the end of the wharf, and he was hauling up his catch. He hauled up a shark. And as we got closer, he was taking the hook out of its mouth. 
and he held it up to us and it was just still in his hands it looked pretty peaceful to be honest it was probably like what the frick's going on here and he held it up to us and he asked us do you want to touch it it's got a pretty rough back so we did we gave a little scratch behind the ears don't know if sharks have ears and he was right it did have a pretty rough back and so he chucked it back in the ocean the shark floated a graceful arc back to the sea where it entered with a plop and yeah it was nice it's a nice walk out the wharf but back, back to the reality this vaping man on a jet ski is careening towards the Tolagig Bay Wharf and I get up off my seat and I'm like whoa yeah go on now the Tolagig Bay Wharf has concrete footings that run down into the sea it kind of looks like the wharf you know from the movie Lords of Docktown the skater movie I don't know if you've seen it it's about famous skaters in California maybe or somewhere around there and Stacy Peralta surfs between the wharf, underneath the wharf, uh, between the pillars, the footings of the wharf. And that's pretty sick, but it's pretty much what this guy's going to do on his jet ski. He's zooming towards the wharf. Looks pretty sketchy to me. And the thing, it, I mean, it doesn't sound that sketchy, but the waves were pretty big that day. They were rising to a huge peak and crashing. And I was like, ooh, this guy's brave. And the guy perfectly glided along a large wave and came shooting out the opposite side of the wharf. It was glorious. The jet skier then turned, sat up on his jet ski, took a huff on his vape, and then rode back through again. Where he sped his jet ski, passed us, back along the beach, toward the shore, where his wife and three small dogs greeted him wanted to clap. It's pretty sick. It's like some jackass shit, I guess. <laughs> to be honest, I want to be that guy, you know? He's living life to the full. He ain't scared of much. He's an older gentleman. On a, yeah, probably 90s, light blue. Azul, I would call it, probably. Jet ski. And I want to be that guy. And I felt like asking him, you know, like, maybe when you retire, when you get sick of catching waves underneath the Tolaga Bay Wharf. Maybe I can take over. Maybe he'll sell me his jet ski. I can keep the tradition going of having a daredevil jet skier who lives at the Tolaga Bay campground. It's a good tradition to keep going, I think. So yeah, that's pretty much it at Tolaga Bay. It's an interesting place. I, I love it, to be honest. It's great here. So, we have a song, it's called, by a band called Cool Super, it's called Swallow Me, it has big room sounds, gargantuan bass lines, ham-fisted riffs, which were ubiquitous in 2022 this year as we come to the end of it, but this single from Cool Super proved that more subtle, slippery sounds could be just as effective. In a year where even underground producers reached en masse for horary nostalgia, this song Swallow Me opted for something bespoke, slicing up their own breakbeat-inspired rhythm and festooning it with filigreed chimes. The real magic in the song happens as a beat falls silent and a hitherto almost subliminal cluster of vocal tones rise in a slow explosion alarming dissonance. The voice is that of experimental opera singer Kamala Sankaram. The sample comes from a 2019 performance exploring an ancient Greek form of ritual shrieking. Expression of anger and mourning, Sankaram's piece was meant as a response to the result of the 2016 election. Removed from that context in the song, her voice takes on new resonance in Call Super's track. Danger is at the door, it seems to say. Safety lies in the beat's communal embrace. Check it out. Oh. 
you're back on the Paradise to Live podcast on Fresh FM. You know the drill. If you want to make a podcast, if you've got a voice, if you've got something to say, even if you want to like plug a little business, go have a chat with Matt and Max at Fresh FM. They'll help you set up and record a podcast and get it on air. Trust me, it's great fun. Go check out freshfm.net and yeah, flick them an email. They'll show you what's up. Great dudes. So Garfield, a little cat, seems pretty happy sitting here. Seems quite relaxed. I've got him cooped up in the van, but ain't no thing for little Garfield. But yeah, so Tolaga Bay. It's a great place. At the moment, ooh, there's a plane. Quite like that, a little bit of ambience. There's actually a guy here at the campground who has built his own biplane, I think it is. And on still days like today, he takes it out and flies around. And the interesting thing I've heard is that you don't have to have a license to fly one of these planes. So he's flying around this plane without a license out in Tolaga Bay. Which I probably shouldn't be broadcasting because someone might come hit him up. But it's quite cool. Yeah, a lot of interesting characters out here. So, Tolaga Bay has been filled with the, I guess, a choir, the, yeah, the choir of sheep, I would call it, although they are all the same tone. And that's because it's shearing season. Shearing season, baby. Uh, all the paddocks are next to the campground are full of sheep just across the creek big fluffy eyes with their winter coat on and possibly tomorrow or the next day I'm not sure they'll be heading to the shearing sheds and getting a bit of a shave and yeah the shearing quarters is not far from here actually that's a big uh, job income I think in this area is farming and shearing sheep there's a lot of sheep in this area. If you like sheep, this is your place. <clears throat> in fact, that's why the longest wharf in New Zealand, Tolaga Bay Wharf, was built. And that they had to build the really long wharf because Tolaga has a really shallow bay that goes out for a long way. So they had to extend the wharf to where it gets a bit deeper. And I've been really, I don't know, connecting with the people here. As you know, we're working blueberries. And I wanted to learn more about the people here because I find them so interesting, really friendly, really open, and really caring. So the hapu, the community here, call this place Uawa Nui Arua Matua, or, or Uawa for short. Now the Uawa community is... Okay, Garfield's scratching the table. Thank you, Garfield. He's scratching behind his ear. And he's chill again. Hey, Garfield. The Uawa community is one of 51 hapu, or communities, in the area that come from the Tiaitanga Ahauiti. The Tiaitanga Ahauiti roughly translates to descendants of Hauiti. And this is because around the 16th century, Hauiti established himself as chief of the area. Now many of the Uawa people can directly link themselves to Hauiti. And they call themselves, well some of them call themselves, Hauitians. Which I think is kind of cool, Hoetians. It's got a nice ring to it. So Hoeti was the chief in the area, and yeah, I couldn't learn that much about him, unfortunately. I have to talk to some friends in the area. But two hundred years after Hoeti established himself as chief in the area, a strange shape appeared on the horizon and floated over to Uawa. Stopped by the shore, exactly where the Tolaga Bay Wharf is, 
and strange-looking men jumped off. This was James Cook arriving for the first time in New Zealand from his two-year voyage. Man, he must have looked and smelled terrible if he's been two years at sea. Especially because I just learnt they kept boiled cabbage on board to ward off scurvy. So these men would have jumped off on shore smelling of boiled cabbage and two years worth of what, I don't even know. But even though probably smelling like that, the sailors were greeted and met by the Hoiti Iwi. And yeah, Cook and his crew, I guess, saw a thriving community here. This would have been in the 17th century. In particular, there was a Māori carving school here. And there was, it's written that Cook was really surprised by the amount of gardens in the area. Now Cook had arrived from Tahiti, or Tafiti, and had bought himself a translator from there. This translator and navigator was called Tupaia. Tupa, Tupaia, Tupaia. Now Tupaia, upon arrival, he exchanged news of the Māori homelands, known as Rangitea, Hawaiki, and Tafiti. He was recepted well at the elder, the Tohonga, which means kind of like the priest, or extremely capable, or sometimes the chosen one. It's a rough translation. The Tohonga greeted him as one of his own, and they were accepted. So much so that many of the children in the era were named Tupaya afterwards. So Cook's ship, the Endeavour, was hauled ashore to clean two years' worth of weed and barnacles from its hull. So Cook stayed for a bit. He stocked up on kumara, seafood and flax for Muawa. And the most interesting thing is that you can go on a walk here and it takes you across to a bay. And it said that there's still a painting from the Tahitian translator and navigator Tupaya. So I've got to go check that out. It sounds awesome. Uh, go check out a painting in New Zealand from the 17th century. It's a piece of history. I can't believe I haven't done it here yet. I've been here for two months. But, you know, I'm pretty lazy sometimes. And this big hill up there be quite a walk. But I'll get there. Don't worry. So, he set sail again. Cook set off. And the Uawa people were left to their business as usual and then of course sooner or later ships began to arrive from Europe the European communities were set up and more and more people started arriving so much so that the Māori chiefs and the British and Europeans other Europeans wanted to set up a treaty that would establish rights for the Māori so they would have rights to trade with England and the British and would also be protected, protected, their land would be protected. And in 1940, the Treaty of Waitangi was written in Aotearoa. Now, if you are from Aotearoa, you probably already know quite a bit about the Waitangi Treaty. So you can skip ahead like five minutes or so if you don't want to, you know, listen to it again. But, you know, they say that the Treaty of Waitangi was signed in 1840. But the thing is, there were a lot of chiefs, Māori chiefs, that did not sign the treaty. They were apprehensive. So, yeah, many of them chose not to sign the treaty. Not only that, but the treaty was translated very poorly into te reo, the Māori language, particularly in relation to the meaning of having and ceding sovereignty, which is saying that the Crown owns New Zealand and has rights to New Zealand and can set up government here. And so that pretty much everything that has happened in New Zealand 
which has benefited the European settlers and oppressed the Māori people that were here first stems from this one treaty and this treaty translated poorly not all chiefs signed it and so there's a lot of contention around this treaty and rightly so yeah it's, it's there's even till today there are hearings being held in court and there are people fighting to establish what was correct in this treaty, the Waitangi Treaty. And in my opinion, this treaty completely screwed over the Māori people and you can see that by the amount of land that's been taken away from the Māori people, the rights that have taken away from the Māori people and the control they have over their own lives. It's pretty sad. And I hope we do something to rectify it in the future. But before we get into that, I have a song for you. It's by Nia Archives. It's called Bayana. It's a great song. It's I play it in the kitchen. I dance around while I'm cooking. It's my jam. It's my jam at the moment. It's electronic music that's reaching new cutting-edge heights. And it's just cool to hear an artist putting a fresh spin on the grittier ethos of 90s jungle and breakbeat. Bayana, the new single by UK producer Nia Archives, infuses the dazzling rhythm assault with a uniquely Brazilian flavour. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you after the break. Bayana by Nia Archives. What a banger. It's a cool song. Love that. Love that shit. You're here on the Paradise Delay podcast on Fresh FM. We're just talking a little bit about Tolaga Bay, or Uawa, as it was originally called. Now, Uawa Township has two dairies, which is pretty sweet. No supermarket, but the bit. The dairies. The people working there are just so nice. 
you know, in a community vibe. It's just way different to a supermarket in a way. Yeah, there's a main food truck where you can get good coffee and scones from. And weirdly, there's also a pretty nice golf course out here. And we went to the golf course last week for a barbecue for work, which was fun, super nice. Uh, we brought vegan sausages, which definitely wasn't the vibe, but you know. So I was having a look around the golf course, I went for a bit of a stroll, and I saw this plaque. And on the plaque, there had some writing on it, and the writing said, Sprinklers donated by Frank Herbert. I was like, hmm, I read a bit of science fiction. Frank Herbert rings a bell. Frank Herbert wrote the famous science fiction novel, Dune. You know, the one with the big worms and the sand and the actor with the pointy chin? There was a movie that came out recently. Dune was a really important novel. It kind of paved the way for modern sci-fi. It's just a world and universe he builds is so great and the messages he gets through and his imagination in the 1950s, I think it came out, was just unparalleled at the time. And I saw this plaque and I was like, what is Frank Herbert doing in Uwawa or Tolaga Bay? I mean, of course it's likely that there's a person with the same name who played golf in Uwawa. But you know, I, I prefer the thought of a science fiction author donated, donating sprinklers to a rural golf course. Especially when you look at the content of his famous book, June. June is set in a desert world. And in this desert world, water is extremely precious. So much so that the tribe living in the desert take the water from their dead to preserve it. And here's Frank Herbert in real life donating sprinklers to a golf course. Something that is an extreme waste of water. I mean, if that is Frank Herbert, then that is a far out joke. But respect, I wouldn't put it past him. I bet science fiction authors have a pretty out there sense of humor. So, Uwawa or Tolaga Township is located on the Uwawa River. A bridge spans the width of the river and connects the north side to the south side of the bay. And it's a good spot to fish from. I've caught a couple of sprats off there. Nothing too big. I haven't had much luck. But, you know, you got to be in it to win it. In the 1960s, the Uwawa River, uh, a lot of logs came floating down from abandoned forestry area up in the hills that was just left there. And it clogged the river and it caused a lot of damage to the local community. I think it might have been in the 1990s, not the 1960s. Don't hold me on that. Yeah, 1990s. In the 1990s, yeah, a lot of logs came floating down. And the thing is, even today, the beach has loads of driftwood on it. If you like a bit of driftwood in your garden, come out to Uwawa or Tolaga Bay. The people of Uwawa are some... Yeah, they're, they're a close-knit community. And... I remember reading a study where they found out apparently that it's only possible to be proper friends with 150 people. And I think they did this study when Facebook came out and people had like four or five hundred friends. And they figured it's only possible to be close with that many people anymore and it's just too much of a stretch for the human brain, I think. There's a limit on the number of people you can keep meaningfully in your life. And when you're in a city, I mean, you can keep those people that are all over the show, 150 people you maybe know. 
But when you're in a small community, I mean, Uwawa only has about 800 people. If you're close with 150 people, you know 150 acquaintances. Everyone knows someone that knows someone here. So even if you don't know someone personally, likely if you go talk to someone, they will know them, or someone you know will know them. And it kind of keeps the community tight. I feel like there's almost like a responsibility to be kind or good-natured with the biplanes back. I wonder if I can see him. He's got a second seat in the biplane, and I've been considering asking him if I can go for a trip, a ride up in the air, but I am a little bit apprehensive because it's a homemade biplane and he doesn't have a license. I'm sure it'd be an amazing view from up there. So, if you know someone who knows someone in a community, if everyone kind of knows everyone, there's almost like a responsibility to be kind and good-natured. Because if you're not, I mean, everyone in the community is going to find out pretty quickly about it. Whereas in the city, there's a certain amount of anonymity, which is both a blessing and a curse, I think. It's a blessing in the sense that if you're a little bit different, you kind of have more privacy in the city, where no one's going to find out everything you do. But also there's little social responsibility there in a lot of ways. If you're rude to a cashier, you're having a bad day, they mess up your coffee and you get angry with them and yell at them, there's a little consequence in a city. Whereas... If you do that in this community, well, you get in big trouble, I think. I I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think, other than this, the sense of community in Uwawa, Tolaga Bay, stems from their link to their whakapapa, their ancestors. The iwi here can trace their lineage back to Hoiti, and then from a Hoiti all the way back to the Waka, that arrived in Aotearoa. The Te Aitanga Ahoiti can trace their whakapapa from Rongo Mai Tuaho, who was grandson of Unuku and son of Kahu Tia Terangi, who captained the Terea Nini Waka that arrived in Gisborne from the Pacific. So they can trace their lineage all the way back to when they first arrived in Aotearoa. Which I think is cool. They they have a link to their ancestors. They have something like that. And it's pretty wicked. I think that gives them a sense of knowing where they come from. And I, I, like I've said before, I think it's important to know where you come from in order to know where you're going and in order to understand yourself. Yeah, I bloody love it out here. Really nice. So we've got another song for you. This one's by Alan Brax and DJ Falcon. And there is a feature on it by Panda Bear, who's from Animal Collective. So the song is called Step by Step. French house kingpins Alex Brax and DJ Falcon make their long-awaited return on Step by Step, rolling out gentle waves and modular synths that sound like they come from an old AM radio. Panda Bear gives the duo subtle glow, a narrative framework singing around the aftermath of an idyllic past. But Step by Step is really about moving forward. The synths suddenly come alive, acoustic drums breathe momentum into the song's sails, and Panda Bear multi-tracked into an elated choir and delivering the crown jewel of his already great discography becomes a chorus of trusted advisors whose collective force and copious repetitions transform an old self-help chestnut into a life-changing belief system.
order Going step by step It feels like there's something in the Brax and DJ Falcon. Song called Step by Step featuring Panda Bear. It's a nice song. Very nice. So we've been talking about Tologa Bear, who was as a was previously known Uawa. 
and yeah, there's, to be honest, there's not a lot of monetary wealth out here. But despite that, people are happy and friendly. The population here is a majority Māori, which is cool. It's one of the last places in the country to maintain certain Māori governments, governance on the local level. And you have to understand that the Uwawa people have fought for this right. Now, you may find this blunt coming from someone who's only been living in Uwawa for a couple of months, but I feel like the people here have resisted the perils of colonialism and capitalism that ended up with the majority of Māori iwi losing their land, whether it was confiscated or bought by the crown, yeah, that a lot of land has been lost, and it's 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 unfair. That's that's how I see it. As of today, only four percent of the land in the North Island is owned and directed by Maori people, and it's sad because land is really important in their culture. When I first came here, everybody asked me where I was from. And I had to say Cambridge, which I'm a little bit ashamed about. Had a lot of Range Rovers there and horses. Yeah, a little bit ashamed of that. But and they were like, "Oh, Tainui, that's cool." And I was like, "Yeah, Tainui." And what I was told is, whereas us, I guess, with European culture, we usually ask, "What do you do?" Like, what do you do? Uh, I make podcasts. Or, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a doctor, or I'm a landscaper, or, you know, for us Europeans, our jobs kind of define a lot of who we are. Whereas, Māori people will ask first where someone comes from. And this is because of how important the land is to them. They refer to their mountain, their river, and their esteemed ancestor. And it's cool. And that that's because where they come from is so important to them. And it's just, I guess it's such a shame that they only have rights to 4% of the land in the North Island now. As best as I understand, traditional Māori society did not have a concept of ownership of land. Afano, extended families, and hapu, sub-tribes, could have different rights to the same piece of land. One group may have the right to catch birds in a clump of trees, another to fish in the water nearby, and yet another may have rights to grow crops on the surrounding land. So they didn't have this concept of land ownership, this land is mine. And it must have been a monumental shift in mentality when Europeans started arriving with the concept of owning land. And yet Tolaga Bay or Uwawa is a large part of this 4% of land that is still owned and controlled by Māori people. And you can really feel how important the land is to the community here. Not just the land, but the history in Whakapapa. The Uwawa people, or Haueshans, as some of them call themselves, have really held onto this land through being colonised, which is friggin' awesome. And it must have taken a lot of determination and, yeah, a lot of determination to keep that over hundreds of years. I know a lot of tribes, the land was confiscated or just eroded over the time and sold off, but they've really held on to it here. Now, I can assume that 
some people might think that it's some kind of white guilt that drives me to talk about the topic, that I feel ashamed of my past and that I want to bring it up. And I, maybe they're partially right. But to me, I, I talk about compassion a lot in this podcast and trying to understand another person's point of view and how they feel. And what was really, I guess, shifted my mindset when I was younger was we had a lesson, and I've talked about this before, where we were told to imagine tomorrow a spaceship arrives in the sky and arrives in New Zealand. Now this spaceship contains some kind of aliens that have superior technology and they appear friendly at first. However, over time, they bring in their own laws, their own universities, and their own language. And we are expected to learn their language and follow their laws. And if you don't do that, you're thrown in their prison. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting topic to have in class. And most of us in class were in an uproar, like, yo, that's shit, that's unfair, what the heck? We all thought it was a terrible scenario. And then at the end of this discussion, our teacher, Mr. Lullum, said to us that is what it was like for the Māori people when Europeans started arriving on their shores. And so it's about understanding how it is and how they were treated in order to look to the future and try and make New Zealand a fairer place for everybody. And I, living out here in Tolaga Bay, Uawa, for two months, you really connect with these people and they might not have a lot of wealth or things. Um, they might not buy a lot of consumerism, but they're connected out here. They're connected to each other. They're connected to their past and they're so friendly and so welcoming and it's just been really enjoyable and I wanted to talk about this on the podcast and it's a special place in New Zealand it's it's really special it's one of the last places where I feel like you can really feel this culture this community and it's important to keep that I think The people here have the strong and they have stood strong against the perils of Western capitalism. You know? It's it's just a special place. There must be something about the pla- this place, Tolaga Bay, Uawa, that's special. And what I mean by that is you can probably hear the the waves in the background hopefully you can hear the bird sound and yeah I, I think especially the waves living close to the sea you get this like background noise the whole time like it's like white noise that ebbs and flows and it's I don't know, there's something special about this place and I don't know if it's that, that white noise that's like I don't know, babies sleep with white noise now my brother's partner has a machine a shh machine and it shushes the baby and it's a technique that's been used for a long time, shushing your baby or shushing your children or telling them to be quiet, to be still to be calm and yeah I don't know, it's a pretty far out thought, but when you look at it, this is a pretty special place. Uh, It's home of the Horatians, and it's, they've stood here for a long time, and they still, it's one of the few places in the North Island of New Zealand, of Aotearoa, that hasn't been lost to Western capitalism an ideology, I guess. So it's... I don't know, it's a crazy place. James Cook came here, one of the first places he came to when he came to New Zealand. 
And just me coming here and living here for a couple months, it just feels like I've felt it. There's, there's something special about this place. And I think it's because it's so calming. Just by the beach, there used to be plenty of food in the sea, plenty of kaimawana. It's just a cool place. And yeah, that's what I think of Tolago Bay, Uwawa. I uh, hope you thought it was interesting. Come check it out if you're interested. Pick some blueberries next year, they actually need a hand. So if you're listening to this, come up to Tolaga, Uawa, and pick some blueberries. It's pretty fun, and you get paid pretty well for it. And it's it's nice out here. So, yeah. Uh, I believe it is the 21st of December. Everyone have a awesome Christmas, and... Yeah, hope it's hope it's not too stressful with the family. You know, sometimes it can be, but um, yeah, go take a walk if you feel stressed, or yeah, do whatever. Don't listen to me. Uh, that's Paradise Delay Podcast signing out for 2022. Woo. Um, yeah, been brilliant. Hope you guys have a great New Year's, and we will see you in the new year. Peace. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.